you never advertise your product. You advertise the benefit or the, the emotion or, you know, the feeling that your product gives to people. And that's a really important lesson for everybody out there. Like if you have a, a piece of software you've developed that saves time for people, you don't advertise your software. You advertise a photograph of a guy in the Bahamas drinking a martini on all the time he's saving because he uses your software. And it's a very subtle difference about, you know, bringing people into the benefits rather than the product itself. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. He is the founder of the iconic global brand, UGG. These are the folks from Australia that make those incredible boots that women all over North America and the world in colder climates are wearing in the winter. They look fabulous. They are iconic. They are adored. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Brian Smith. Welcome to the show, Brian. Wow, Nikki, that's the best buildup I think I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, Brian, the folks that are listening to this show typically are entrepreneurs. There are, many of them are solopreneurs. Many of them are coaches, consultants, speakers, authors, trainers, facilitators, and there's some business owners. All of them are interested in how to use their expertise, use their thought leadership to position themselves better so they can take their impact and their income and their business to the next level. You've done an incredible job of doing that, both for the brand that you built and for yourself. The listener's really interested. How'd you do it? Tell us your backstory. Well, the irony is that I didn't ever intend to be an entrepreneur, but I, I, was a, I graduated as an accountant after 10 years of study, and I quit the day I graduated because I, <laughs> I, I, I knew I had something inside me that wanted to be entrepreneurial. And I figured out one day that, that you know, all the best trends in Australia were coming out of California. <clears throat> so I went to California to try and find the next big thing to bring back to Australia, and it was two or three months they are mostly surfing at Malibu Beach, which was one of my favorite things that, that I always wanted to do. And it was after about three months, of the, it was October, November, the, the weather was getting cold, the water was cold, and I brought my sheepskin boots from Australia and I was putting them on and I just got these goosebumps. I thought, oh, my God, there are no sheepskin boots in America. And that was like the beginning of, of – me realizing that that I should just stay in America and start importing sheepskin boots, which is what I did. And uh, because one in two Australians wore sheepskin footwear, 
I just thought it would be an instant millionaire slam dunk business. And so, you know, that's what most entrepreneurs, when they first have that aha moment, you know, like the world's their oyster. But luckily, you know, every good entrepreneur has to have some level of ignorance or, or else they'd never start. And I was ignorant on so many levels that I, I had no idea that Americans didn't understand sheepskin like Australians do. And I had no idea of what the cost of you know, building an inventory and, and getting a proper business going was. So, you know, I just launched into it with some samples and, and uh, went down the coast. You know, the, the, the shoe stores shut us out. They just said we're crazy trying to sell sheepskin in California. But all the surf shops were really open to it because most surfers who had been to Australia had brought four or five pairs of boots back for their buddies. So within that community, it was really well known. And so we hit the surf shops and they all thought it was a fantastic idea and uh, told us we were going to make a fortune uh, when we did our test run, you know, just to see what the interest was. And uh, it never occurred to me that, you know, I never uh, never asked for an order in this that first road trip because, you know, we didn't have any inventory anyway, so what was the point? But anyway, the response was good enough where I, I raised 20,000 bucks and sent 15 down to Australia and, and bought 500 pairs. And they arrived in, in like November, the end of November. And I went on the road back to all of the same stores that told me it was a fantastic idea. And every one of them just went, oh, Brian, great. You're going to make a fortune. But man, we couldn't sell them out of our store. We just sell surfboards and trunks and bikinis and t-shirts. And, you know, they're way too expensive for us. You know, you should go to the shoe stores. And the first year's sales of UGG was 28 pairs, if you can believe that. Wow. And it, it, was, it happened to be exactly $1,000. And, I mean, it was so disappointing. And, 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 but the, the thing is, it's something that every entrepreneur goes through. And because I've started a lot of businesses since I sold the UGG business, there's a theme that, that is so true that I, I actually wrote a book called The Birth of a Brand. And the theme of the book is you can't give birth to adults, right? And what mm. that means is that every business, every sandwich shop, every new sitcom on TV, every religion, every, everything starts with someone conceiving it. And then the first action is taken and that's the birth. So like the birth of Ugg was me buying some sample boots. <clears throat> but then – the business always goes into this infancy and it just lies there and it lies there and there's no amount of overfeeding or shaking the cradle or yelling at the baby. It can't get up and go to college because it has to be a baby. And if you can nurture it through that period, eventually it starts to toddle, which is, you know, first customers are buying your product and, you know, people are writing magazine articles about you and that leads pretty quickly into the youth where, it, it, to me, the youth is the best phase of any business because you've got predictable orders, predictable purchasing, predictable delivery, predictable customer service, and you can run a $20 million business in that youth phase. But if it's a really, really good business, it's going to hit the teenage years. And just like when you, you're a teenager, you wanted to be at every party in town, well, the tendency is you want to be in every trade show, you want to be in every big box retailer, and, and it's like impossible to ramp up that fast and it's super, super dangerous. And I almost lost Ugg three or four times during that teenage phase. But then, you know, the, the 
accountants come and put all the controls in, it becomes a mature business. So, so that, believe it or not, is the is the thrilling start of UG. That's incredible. I love what you said about you can't give birth to an adult. It, it seems so common sense when you yeah. say it, but that's not how any entrepreneur thinks. Heck, that's not how. I thought when I started my business, I expected I was going to make $10 million in my first year. Yep. And that was completely unrealistic. That's right. And, and the problem is that most entrepreneurs, not most, but many, many entrepreneurs get into that infancy and they think they're failing when they're really not. They're just stuck in infancy. You have to just be prepared to grind through it. If you believe in what the product or service is that you have and you believe it can help people and change lives, then I just urge everyone to hang in there because it won't be long before you start toddling. And I've got another great quote from my book is, you know, the quickest way for a tadpole to become a frog is live every day happily as a tadpole because you really can't accelerate that infancy and you may as well be happy while you're doing it. You know, that's brilliant, Brian. And thank you, because that's probably a message that I needed to hear today personally, not just not just my listener. It sounds really trite, you know, but it's a really very, very deep piece of philosophy, that little it, tadpole it, quote. It is. It is deep philosophy, and it's thought leadership of the highest order for entrepreneurs in, yeah. in a startup or near startup phase of their business. I mean, I have a business right now, I and mean, I do this podcast, and, and part right. of the reason I do this podcast is to support my business. And my yeah. business is I help coaches, consultants, solopreneurs, speakers and authors who want to make a difference in the world, add 100000 to $1 million or more a year to their income while working 10 to 20 hours less per week. That's right. it. That's what we do, right? And what I've been thinking about as, as I came up with the concept for this business and, 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 and you know, I've had a partner and uh, my partner's had another business. And as a result right. of that, you know, he started to like say, you know what, I can't work two businesses full time. I'm going to spend more time on that and less on this and all that stuff is I thought all that meant that we were failing. Things weren't going well, but you know exactly. what? We were still making sales. We were still making a difference. We still had a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue, right. you know, approaching the seven figure mark. Wow. And we're starting to figure things out better and better and better. And now that I hear you say this is I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at this phase in my business. Nikki, that's so true. Everybody on the planet is where they should be right now. Oh, thank you, man. That just, I, I feel like Atlas. You know that, that famous book by Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged? I've yeah, been I've holding read it several the, times. Yeah, me too. It's, it, 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 it is my all-time favorite book. Uh, yeah. and, and I feel like I've been holding up the world, and I just like, huh, I'm shrugged. I've shrugged. And the world has just rolled off my back. I feel Good. free. That's incredible. Tell me more. Tell me some more amazing things that you've come up with that you've put into this incredible work, book of yours. Okay. The, the, uh, the progress of UG was very rocky. Um, I, I went three years of having to get summer jobs because you know the sales weren't happening. And I, I was going out to swap meets and street fairs and and uh, believe it or not, the best retail outlet I had was at the back of my van, you know, after I went surfing at Malibu every day mm -hmm. um, in the winter. I was just – had the van full of product and 
people were coming from all over Los Angeles because they heard from their friends that I was there. And I had this little retail thing going, you know, three or four months every season. And, and, but it was never enough to sustain a real you know, business. So I had to get summer jobs for three years. And I, I was advertising these models sitting on a beach, you know, with a perfect hair and perfect sun, uh, suntans and, and, you know, clothing and the boots front and center in the ads. And, and I'd, I'd been advertising in Surfer Magazine and Action Sports Magazine. And, and after three years, the sales were like still about $30,000. And I couldn't believe what I was doing wrong. They should have been way, way more. And I was having a beer with one of my buddies and uh, he owned a surf shop and he called out to the back of the room and the, the, these young kids came out. And he says, what do you guys think of Ugg boots? And every one of them just went, oh, those Uggs, man, they're so fake. Have you seen those ads? Those models, they can't surf. And instantly I realized I'm sending the wrong message to my target market, you know, and I knew – I couldn't believe how stupid I'd been. So quickly I pivoted like every entrepreneur has to and I called up a buddy who was running this National Scholastic Surf Association and I called Pete, hey, you got any young kids who are going to turn pro soon? Because I got no money but I can pay them in Ugg boots, you know. And he gave me these two young guys and instead of hiring expensive photographer and everything, I just went surfing with them one weekend and we went to Black's Beach in La Jolla here in San Diego and we went to Trestles up in San Onofre and these are two iconic surf walks where they're a mile long, there's fantastic surf at the end of each one and I just knew that every little kid reading Surfer Magazine would die to be in that photograph, you know, walking to the beach with Mike Parsons and Ted Robinson, these young two, you know, pro surfers. And I ran the ads that, that fall and the sales went to 220,000 just like wow. COVID. And it was purely because I'd matched the image of what the readers wanted with, with the product that I had. And the irony is in the first ads, I, the, the ad that, you know, the Ugg boots were like one third of the, the photograph. And in the, ads that worked that you could hardly see the Ugg boots, you know, they were just tiny little things where, you know, and the, the, the photo is all about the, the road and the shot. And it made me realize then that you never advertise your product. You advertise the benefit or the, the emotion or, you know, the feeling that your product gives to people. And it, in this case, you know, the, the kids, all they wanted to do is walk along those those walks with Mike Parsons and Ted, and mm. if they have to buy a pair of Ugg boots to, to fit in, then they're going to do it, you know, because they want to be in that photograph so badly. And that's a really important lesson for everybody out there. Like if you have a, a piece of software you've developed that saves time for people, you don't advertise your software, you advertise a photograph of a guy in the Bahamas drinking a martini on all the time he's saving because he uses your software. And it's a very subtle difference about, you know, bringing people into the benefits rather than the product itself. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. So why don't we do just a, a quick little workshop right here? Okay. So I've told you about who we're trying to help, right? Yep. And they're, they, they have two major pain points. Pain point number one is they're stuck on an income plateau 
So they've maybe gotten to, I don't know, 75, 100K, 150K, and then they're inching along up. They're not, they haven't figured out how to like bust through that plateau. Or right. they're making really good money, but they're trading time for dollars and they're burning out because they got no time. Yes. Like their family doesn't see them and all that. So if I'm trying to appeal to these two groups, as it were, how would I position the kind of copy I ought to write and the kind of images I use? Oh, wow. Wow, that's a big one to dump on me without any forewarning. Oh, I know. Hey, well, you know what? I didn't know I was going to do this, but I just thought, hey, I got you here. And the people listening well, to this that it, are going to buy your book, it, that's the it, kind of thing they want to know, right? Exactly, yeah. It comes back to you getting a bunch of case studies of people that you have helped yeah. to break through the barrier and then showing people the benefits they have because they broke through. Mm. So you're, you're not – selling your program so much you're selling the results of the program and i mean i i'm last night i was on a river cruise with all these people at the traffic and conversion conference which is a huge conference here in san diego yep, right yep. and you know all of these people are, are in a similar position They're, they've got you know businesses that are going well but they need to break it into the into the next level and what you have to do is, is you know, they all have to figure out who do I, who do I follow, who, who do I listen to to get to the next level, and that, that brings you into the picture. And you have to be so credible and so positive in, in the case studies that you can say that here are the people that I've helped, this is the, this is the method I've used, and, and here's how to get it to the next level, come with me. Right. So that, the that case studies the are the way to go. So I've got a bunch of those actually, because that's so that's really good. So okay. maybe do something like do some Facebook live videos or yeah, things like that, that. That's really that's really common. Yeah. 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 That's a great idea. You know what? I think I'll do more of that. I've interviewed a few of them on our podcast, but I just the way that you position this, it, it just made me think. You know what? Maybe maybe this is something that could really apply to what we do, and uh, and by extension to what our clients to every do. Single, yeah, it applies to every single business and service and product. It's you know sell the benefits, and people will will flock to you. Sell the benefits, and people will flock to you. Okay, that's fantastic. Brian, I'm loving this interview. Give me more. Tell me what else is in the book that our listeners are going to be interested in. Okay. Well, the book is, is really unusual because it's not a how-to-succeed book. It's, uh, there's no graphs and pie charts and bullet points, you know, and 10 ways to be a better leader and 10 ways to get to a bottom line. Nothing like that. It's purely the chronological story of me building the UG for, for 18 years before I sold it off to a public company. And uh, it's like all of the disasters, all the failures, all of the great results from breakthrough thinking and breakthrough actions and uh, how to think outside the box. But most of all, it's about perseverance because mm -hmm. I, I found that, that the most disappointing disappointments were always the seeds of my greatest blessings, right? And so, over and over again, these disasters would happen in the business and I would think, oh, my God, that's the end and should I give up? And this happened over and over again. But it was amazing that within a few months or you know, sometimes even weeks, you would change direction because you just hit the wall in some area 
and you'd look back three months later and go, oh my God, thank God that that bad thing happened because now I've changed it and it's 10 times better than it would have been if I had it carried along on that same course. So that that became the theme that your most disappointing disappointments nearly always become your greatest blessings. And and I, I've got so blasé now that if something really bad goes wrong, I, I just go, damn, that's great. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. I love it. What's great about it? And the minute you start to get positive and think what's great about it, you'll be surprised at how fast alternatives come to you. And, you know, it may take a bit of trial and error to get the right one, but you'll, you'll look back pretty soon and go, thank God that happened. That's incredible. So give us an example of, of one that for a lot of other people, it may have knocked them off on their keister. Okay, well, this is a, this is a good story. It's a little bit long, but, but just bear with me. For sure. So I got the business up to about two and a half million bucks in sales, and I had to bring in new investors all the time because I kept outgrowing the smaller investors and I'd have to buy the old ones out and bring new ones in. And I brought in these three new guys and we were going to own the business 25% each. And I got to be the Southern California sales rep. I, I was They were going to run the business from the internal side. I was going to be an outside sales rep. And we were going to split the, the business 25% each, which was a pretty good deal for me at the time. And uh, But there was one proviso. I didn't get my 25% stock issued until I finished up this little trademark lawsuit that I knew I was going to win. And so I launched into this new business. So we set the, the warehouse up in Anaheim, which is where they all were. And uh, I went out on the road for the first day to, you know, down to Huntington Beach. And I was in Huntington Surfing Sport. As soon as I walked in, the guy looked at me and said, hey, Brian, I heard you sold the business. I went, what? And he says, yeah, I heard you sold the business. You know, I called an order in. They said, you don't own it anymore. And I said, you're kidding me. What? And I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I I went next door to the Shell gas station because that was where the phone box was and and called up Anaheim. And I I said, Neil, what the hell are you telling people? And he goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're telling people I don't own the business. And he said, well, you don't. I said, yes, I do. You're my three new partners. And he goes, no, you don't get your stock until you finish the, you know. And instantly I realized, shit, I've, I've lost control. I, I don't even own the business anymore. And I, I didn't read the contract that way when I signed it. And I was just in this depression for, for oh, a long time, two or three days. And and it was finally one day when, when I, I was – you know, watching TV with my wife one evening and, and I was lying on my back on the floor and the show finished. I clicked the TV off and I rolled over on my stomach and started crawling to the bedroom. And my wife just looked at me and says, you get up now and walk to bed like a man. And it's got, it shot the heck out of me, you know. And and as I stood up, I started, it was like my head was coming out of a fog and I thought, oh, my God, there's so much more to business than than this crappy little sheepskin company, you know? So the next day I started meditating, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life now that I didn't own the business. And after thinking of all these different, you know, real estate, maybe business broker jobs I could do, I thought, no, I've really come to love selling. And okay, what's the best thing I can sell? And I thought, shit, Ugg boots. I want to get a pair of Ugg boots on everybody in the country. So I went back up to Anaheim and I, I ate humble pie and I said, okay, I may never own the company, but I'm going to go on the road and and, you know, do my best to get everybody wearing Ugg boots. And 
And I went out for the first, you know, the month and got back and to the warehouse at the end of the month. And Neil handed me an envelope. It was a check for 5,000 bucks. It was my commissions. And that was the first money I'd ever pulled out of the company in like six years. And I went back on the road for another month and I got back and he, he gives me another envelope. This one's 10,000 and the following month, another 10,000. And I realized that, that, you know, I'm out there having a ball with all these surf shop owners. We're surfing or playing golf in the summertime and, and I'm yeah, servicing all these accounts and, and I'm not doing any purchasing. I'm not doing any shipping. I'm not doing any accounting and I'm just having a ball making all this money. And that was a perfect example of your most disappointing disappointments becoming your greatest blessings. You know, I, I turned it into a, you know, the next three or four years, I absolutely loved my life. I was making hundreds of thousands a year on commissions and, and eventually through a fluke, you know, Neil bought the other two guys out, then he died and we'd already, you know, done life insurance policies on each other. And, I had enough money to buy his wife out or his widow out who, who was just so grateful because she knew nothing about the business, you know. So I, I ended up becoming 100% owner again. So wow. you know, these sort of things you can't predict. And But it all comes back to perseverance and hanging in there. I could have easily quit when, when, when these guys told me I didn't own the company. I could have easily walked away. But I had a passion for the business and I just went on knowing that, you know, time changes things and, and wow, what a, what a turnaround that was for me. Brian, that is one of the best stories I've ever heard on this wow. show. I'm no, speechless. Great. I'm speechless. You know, well, the book, the book is full of them. <laughs> well, listen, fact, this book, if you're listening to this show, you got to go pick up a copy of this book and not just one copy but five copies, one for yeah. yourself and four to give away to friends and family. This is an incredible yeah. book. So, Brian, you know what? I, I gotta, I, I'm not just going to order like one book for myself. I'm going to order like 30 books for all our clients, you know? Fantastic, man. You, you'll be a hero and, and have them pass them on when they're finished because the, the books really, there's so many stories like the one I just told where, where you, you would think, well, well here, here's the thing. People say it's a page turner. And I think it's because most people don't think I'm going to be around next chapter. <laughs> so they read it really fast. I love it. I can't wait to get my copy. I'm going to put in my order today, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And I'm going to order 30. Uh, and we're going to make sure that we get it. So your story is a very interesting one when it comes to the theme of perseverance. One of my coaches, I hired a, a, as one of my business coaches, an Olympic gold medalist, believe it or mm -hmm. not. And he had no expertise as a business coach. In fact, he's been a, a health and fitness coach. He's been, he, he, he won his Olympic gold medal in uh, the 110 meter hurdles back in 1992. Oh, okay. And um, so I, I do sprint training with him. So we go and we do sprints and stuff like that. And, you know, I've known him a long time. He's a good friend of mine. His name's Mark McCoy. But okay. I hired him to be my business coach. And I'll tell you my reasoning for it. Winning an Olympic gold medal is a unbelievable accomplishment that very few people dare attempt, never mind actually accomplish. Right? Sure. Right? And when he was uh, 
going through the process of becoming, uh, you know, a hurdler, people told him, you're too short. You're not fast enough. You're too skinny. You're not muscular enough. You're never going to even make the Olympic team. Right. Not only did he make the Olympic team, he won an Olympic gold medal. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. It is amazing. So I figure he knows something about setting and accomplishing crazy outsized goals. That's why I hired him. I want his mindset, right? And That's really important, yeah. It, it is really important. And, you know, I've got other coaches I work with too, but his mindset's incredible. Like this guy persevered for 16 years until he finally won his Olympic gold medal at his fourth oh Olympics. Oh, my God. That's amazing. At his fourth Olympics. Right. And not only that, but he just kept going and he doesn't have in his mind that, oh, I'm going to take a day off. I'll do it later. It's like there's a training plan for the Olympics. You can't even miss one day. If you miss one day, that means you got to go to the next Olympics four years later. Wow. Yeah. So that's what that's all about. Right. And, and I was, I was with him today. We were doing our sprints this morning and, uh, you know, I told him, yeah, I, 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 there's something I'd committed to do inside my business for him. I said, okay, I did a part of it. I didn't do all of it. And he just looked at me. He says, no, you don't get to do that. When I tell you, you need to do this at this day, at this time, you got to do it. Uh-huh. And I'm just sitting there going, damn, he's right. He's right. And perseverance yeah. is a big part of that. Right. Because Let's face it, I've been knocked on my keister so many times, especially in the last four months. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, yeah. But, but what, what you said really is really, really powerful. So if someone wants to get a hold of this book, I mean, they can go on Amazon, I'm sure. Is there any other way for them to uh, get this book or you know, get in touch with you in other ways? Uh, the best, you, you, you can go on my website, which has got some pretty cool videos, footage of uh, me talking and stuff but the best way is just to go to amazon and it's called the birth of a brand and the website is uh ug founder ugg founder f-o-u-n-d-e-r.com and uh you know if you want to learn more about me there's a, quite a bit on the website but the bet yeah I'm not that interesting. The book is really, really interesting. You're a fascinating man. <laughs> Trust me. I want you back. If, if you'll come back, we'd love to have oh, you I'd back. Love, I'd love to, yeah. We, we didn't even scratch the surface today. No, absolutely. So so listen, we what we do to end off uh, each podcast is we like to ask you as our, as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on and take their business and their life to the next level? Okay, number one, is, is sort of geared at those people who are in the process of, of thinking they have an idea, but they're really not sure if they do or not, and they're too scared to move because they don't know how to get a business license, you know, and all these, all these phantom obstacles are in their place. The key thing is just get started, get motion going. Have you ever heard that saying that if you start out on a path, the universe will conspire to work with you? Yes, I think it's from, uh, from Gethe. The it's German really philosopher, it, yeah, he said, it, it, whatever you can conceive of, begin it, right? Yep, that, that's the one. It's thousands of years old. And I'm going to give you a, an interpretation of, of what that means. The universe is perfect. Everything that you could possibly want exists on this planet. It already exists, right? 
But if you're sitting in front of the couch watching TV, you'll never be aware of it. And my illustration is that, can you remember the last time you saw an ad for a refrigerator? Actually, I can't. Okay, nobody can. Because, but the minute, if you wanted a refrigerator this weekend, you had to get one, you would start seeing it on TV. You would start seeing it in newspapers that are scattered around Starbucks. You'd see, you know, classified ads for refrigerators. You'd start seeing them in the windows of appliance stores every time you drove around the town. And you would, you would become aware of refrigerators everywhere. Now, the thing is, they were always there, but you never saw them right? And it's the same with your business. If you are all the time thinking about it, but not doing anything, not taking action, you'll never be aware of all of the information that will come to you the minute you start out on the path. You know, you'll meet people that, that find out what you're doing and they'll, ha they'll have a contact or you'll see stuff online. It'll be, it's, it, so the bottom line is what I'm getting at is get off your butt and start and if you've, if you've already taken action and you're in that infancy period, hang in there, keep taking action because the, the universe is, is perfect and it's out there for you. Mm. So the next one is the, the, my biggest regret with, with the whole UG business or my, my running of the business was that I never understood finance. I, I was a chartered accountant. And I knew how to do historical accounting, but I never understood the way money worked and how my, my, how my success, like I was doubling every year, I didn't understand why that was always crippling me and keeping me broke because I had no idea how much money or cash it took to double the inventory and double the, the, the sales force and, you know, until it was too late every season. So I was always playing catch up. So having a really good financial advisor is really, really key. If you're in that hundred to 200,000, you know, sales range, start looking for a financial advisor to help you with cash flow. And number three is just, you know, my formula for success. And I've learned this over many, many years is that if you can figure out what you can do better than anybody else, and then do it, you cannot help but be successful, hmm. right? Now, you don't have to know it all when you start because the universe, like I told you, is going gonna, gonna to help you and fill you in. But if you can work on being better and better every single day until you become the best in your little category, it doesn't have to be a big category, you can become the best in your little category, you will become successful and the money will follow you. Brian, that's brilliant. This has been one of my absolute all-time favorite interviews, and I've interviewed almost yeah. 100 people for the show. And cool. uh, I got to tell you, I, I want you back. Definitely, if you're listening to this, make sure you pick up a copy of the book and actually pick up five copies. You give them out to your friends and family. Give them out to your clients. It's going to help you. It's going to help them. They'll thank you for it. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, how can I be the next Brian Smith? How can I be the Brian Smith of my industry and my niche or niche? Well, it's simple. Jump on a call with myself or a member of my team. Let's help you figure out if you've got expertise that can be turned into IP, into intellectual property. And if we can help you turn that into commercializable IP so that you can actually make a fabulous income from it 
and make a difference in this world. Make that dent in the universe that Steve Jobs said every entrepreneur, every human being is born to make. Make sure that you do that. And the way to do that is go to our website, ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. That's ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. You can get that from the show notes and you can find out about Brian and his book and all the amazing things he does in the show notes as well. Brian, it's been a real honor having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Nikki. I really had fun. Appreciate it. No, so did I, my friend. So did I. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about the amazing Brian Smith, as well as how to jump on a call with myself or a member of our team, go to the show notes. Until next time, goodbye.